Hey everybody, welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 132. Amat's here with B-Pimp. B-Pimp, how's it going with you? It's going great. Listen to this all-star cast of NBA players who have worn number 32. I put them in order of how much I like them. Okay. So Christian Leitner first. Like your number one? He's last. He, I like him the least of the people I'm about oh, to tell okay, you. Okay, okay, okay. That's the order you're going. And I was like, damn, Christian Leitner, top of your 32s. I was about to say, that's, that sounds not right. But okay. I'm building up to it. All right, all right. Number two, Rip Hamilton. Okay. Like him. For, he was on the Bulls for a while. Carl Anthony Towns, the current king of 32s. Mm-hmm. Carl Malone, the mailman. Ugh. I would put yeah. him on my list. He's below Christian Leitner for you. <laughs> so he's at the bottom. Um, Kevin McHale, right. Magic Johnson, Bill Walton, and Shaquille O'Neal. Great list. I will say I, the amount that I've liked Bill Walton has increased over the years. I used Same to here. really not. He used to call like a lot of the mid '90s Finals games, um, and I remember he was calling this Bull Sonics. Finals in '96, and I really hated Bill Walton then. He seemed like a Bulls homer to me. I don't know. Th- that wasn't like really why, but his voice like drove me nuts as a kid. But now, I, for some reason, just I can totally listen to him. His games that he does of the West Coast, like college basketball for the Pac-12, are just a thing of beauty because he's got this like weird relationship with the with the play-by-play guy. Yeah, they just constantly torch each other. And it's really just- funny. The amount of time he spends off the rails is just like, you know, what? maybe that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. He's rarely talking about basketball. <laughs> it's usually like UFOs or yeah, a desert right. somewhere. Yeah, it's great. Uh, no, that's a great list. I, I didn't remember some of those players even were 32. I, I meant to mention this, and I think I mentioned, I sidebarred this with you. I forgot to mention... Brent Bonesberry in yeah. 131. And I can't believe I just let that pass. Brent Berry was awesome. He was one of my favorite Sonics. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. From the legendary Berry family of basketball players. Yeah. Um, but that is past. Uh, also, folks at home, I, my audio might sound a little bit different. I had a, a technical difficulty right before we started recording this, and I've switched to a new microphone. Write in. Let me know how it sounds. Uh, I definitely want to know. Let us know if it's just me talking and then and then silence. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be. <laughs> I would love it if our episode is like that. Just you talk for a little bit in reaction to something I say. <laughs> Nothing for a minute, and then your your top five is just oddly spaced. Yeah, no, I think that would be great. It's a new form of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> There's no quality control. We're not going to catch it. It's just going to go out. I hate to like go down this rabbit hole, but what if I don't exist and you're already doing it this way? Could be. This could be a uh, what? This could be a sci-fi. It's a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of Black Mirror, we are talking about our favorite television shows of the 2010s i think black mirror well depending on if it's one of your favorites or not but like it does fit the bill of being a show in the 2010s indeed Uh, it does yeah we're gonna uh discuss that in a second but uh before we get to that we of course have to get to a whiskey and before we get to that b pimp 
I heard you took a wonderful Kolsch class. Is that what you would call it? What would you call it? Yeah, it was, well, it was marketed as Jason's beer school because the man who taught it was named Jason. Hmm. And it's, a uh, it's at Pollyanna brewing in Roselle near, near our house. And they have, he's, this is the first class he's ever taught in the series. And he's going to do uh, different styles, like every so often, like every month and a half or so, he's going to pick a different style. Um, and the first one was Kolsch and we get, we got to go because we're a part of their mug club. Basically we just pay like some kind of subscription and then you get little perks basically. And this is one of them. You get access to this class. Um, and I'm drinking dogma. You can see it's their Kolsch style ale and collab with NIU. I like it. I'm all for spelling dog that way. That's also how the university of Washington kind of refers to Huskies. Oh yeah. And this was canned specifically for our class. They, this has been out of rotation for them. So we got a, we got a free can at the class and we got to buy a four pack, which I did because it's really good. Um, but it was really interesting. We it was an hour long, just an hour before they were going to open. We got to go sit in there, taste some international examples of Kolsch, learn about the history, learn about the style. Why is it like low alcohol? Just all the little, nuances and stuff and like it's i didn't even know that they're called kolsch because it just means it's from Col- cologne germany like that's all it means oh really yeah I know that either i never knew that i was like he said that right away and i'm like wow i've already learned something <laughs> from this class <laughs> it was really cool that no that is awesome because it's uh i'm drinking a kolsch as well and i think it that and this is the fort point out of san francisco their uh, their Kolsch, they call it the KSA, which literally just stands for Kolsch style ale. But I like it. It's becoming like my go-to. I love Kolsch. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite styles. And I like, he mentioned why you'll see some beers labeled Kolsch and some are Kolsch style ale. And he said that's usually just if they feel that the style, because Kolsch is very specific to Cologne and it's a very specific characteristics. They have like a labeling process if it comes from Germany you can see a blue ribbon on it if it's a legit Kolsch. So he said some brewers just prefer to, out of respect for Kolsch, they just call it a Kolsch style ale. It doesn't mean that it's not like legit or anything. I thought that was interesting because I've seen it both ways. Yeah. No, that's great because it's, uh, I will say I want more beers like this because I just, I just went to a brewery that is by our house, Ghost Town Brewing. That's on 35th and MacArthur. And I, I really like, going to it it's a great place but my complaint against ghost town is they have four boards of the different types of beers that they have on one board there's just two types like uh, i think it's like a pilsner and a pale ale great those are your options if you want something like mid to light then two of the four boards are ipas all ipas there's probably 10 or 12 of them i'm like all right i don't think you need that many ipas and then the fourth board and i know you like them but it's rare that I want one are just sours. Oh yeah. So they have like 10 IPAs, five sours, and then a pale ale and a Pilsner. And that's it. What is yeah. happening to our society? I know he, we, he talked about that in the class too. Cause he, we tried the 2016 silver medal Kolsch and we tried the 2021 silver medal. And he said, what do you notice? And it was that even though Kolsch aren't supposed to be hoppy, the 2021 silver medal is more hoppy because of what's happened, which is just everybody's obsessed with IPAs, basically. It is like, I forget what year this was, but it all happened in one or two years 
every yogurt became Greek yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> and if it didn't fully become Greek yogurt, it became more like Greek, Greek yogurt. Right. I don't know. Times are changing. Although the one, what, <laughs> I am going way off the rails. Uh, the one change I do appreciate is that everybody now recognizes that adults, by and large, are lactose intolerant. And now I feel like a lot of milk is lactose free, which yep. is bad. I love it. Yeah. Stop stop tricking me into thinking I should be drinking normal milk. Nobody can drink right. normal milk. No, exactly. It's ridiculous. Uh, all right. What uh, what whiskey do you got to test for us? Oh, before I, I do want to plug uh, and, and tease our listeners. The next class is going to be about West Coast IPAs. In April. Oh, shit. That's awesome. And he, yeah, he mentioned specifically Anchor Steam and his little plug to us. So I got to make sure I'm on the lookout so I can get into this class because it's only 25 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, good luck. I, uh, I have some Anchor Steam in the fridge, actually. Anchor Steam is a treat. No, it really is. Um, but yeah, my, my uh, whiskey for the whiskey sessions is an interesting one I found at Benny's, which I believe, I'm going to read the, bl- the back in a minute, but I believe they make this. Benny's and it's called. I think so. Whoa. It's called Clark and Sheffield. Okay, cool. And it's a single barrel edition. They had a couple different types. It's got some cool, like Chicago centric branding. It's um, it does say it's distilled and bottled in Kentucky. Um, and it's 90 proof. It's a bourbon. So they, they wrote on the back, um, back in 1948 at the corner of Clark and Sheffield in Chicago, Benny's beverage depot was born out of a tiny pie shaped storefront that sold produce, potatoes, and pints of liquor. Beanie's founder, Harold Binstein, left a great legacy and a good name. Clark and Sheffield stands for nothing less. So to me, that sounds like they made it, right? I, I, That's the verdict. I, and I actually, I like the bottle. I like how just like that type of bottle, it's like, it's the least amount of material I think you could have to store that amount of whiskey. Yeah. It's just it's, like, it's almost a cube. Yeah, it's a squat. It's one of those squat cube bottles. With a cool cork too. It's got like a like a dark wood top to the cork. Oh, that's very cool. I'm I'm curious to hear how it is. And I like the name yeah. too. I did get there they had like a couple different price points. I got the unsurprisingly, I got the, the single barrel one, which was the most expensive. There was like a it looked like an everyday drinking kind of like Jack Daniels equivalent one and then a couple fancier ones. Gotta go with the fancy. So we gotta see how Benny's did making a bourbon. Yeah, so it looks like you got it on the rocks there. I did in my classic glass that Lisa got me. So it pours a nice, I had a decent amount of ice and it pours kind of like a nice pale gold. Yeah, I like the color, a little on the light side. Right. A little caramely, pretty much the smells right on the button of a bourbon, just like that sweet caramelized type smell that you expect. I like a good caramely smell. And maybe I'm wrong, but like for some reason I feel like having it on the rocks actually brings out the smell more. Is that possibly true? I think so. Yeah, it just kind of like disrupts the the particles more, which would let the smell come out. Another, I'm going to be throwing Kolsch facts in the whole freaking episode <laughs> because of this guy. But he, he said that's why it's good to swirl your beer too. He's like, people will make fun of you and be like, it's not wine. But he said it's just 
if you're trying to actually get a full experience with the beer, it's, that's what you do because it just like keeps the aroma coming. What are you catching on that sip? The taste is similar to the, I would say similar to the color. It's on the sweeter side for a bourbon. Like the caramely look translates there. It's not doing anything on, un, un, you know, there's nothing I'm, I'm, that's a skew. It's kind of what I would expect for a bourbon. It doesn't have as much of the warming finish and like kind of kick to it that I usually would want for me, especially when they're advertising it as barrel aged and it's, it's a little bit more expensive and it comes in a nicer bottle and everything. I think they're kind of upping the ante and it is 90 proof too, which is another thing. It doesn't have the, the snap to it or that warmth that I would expect for. Would you say the taste leans more Clark or more Sheffield? I would say it's Clarky with a chance of Sheffield. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying there then. Yeah. Sip number two. I could tell you, you've got like a little bit of a, I don't want to say a pained expression, but, but just like you really are thinking about this. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, I think I'm, I'm going to have to give this one the boot. Oh my God. Clark of Sheffield, Benny's, what are you doing? Yeah. It's just really not, it's not garbage or anything like that, but for what I paid for it and for, for what the style is, it's just very flat. There's really no, usually if, if there's a very smooth bourbon that doesn't stand out in any specific way, at least it ha- if it has that nice finish to it of warmth for the, for the, the proof, then I'm like, okay, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of doing its job. To exactly. me, this is, this is falling flat. Mm, okay. That's, and I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the taste profile then is even of the cheaper ones. Could it be even worse or? Yeah, I would. I mean, inferring from this, I would think it's probably just like a poor imitation of like a Jack Daniels or a maker's mark or something like that. So. All right. Well, uh, a whiskey gets the boot on the whiskey sessions podcast. Uh, go out and don't get yourself Clark and Sheffield. Yeah. Pass it right up. Look for something else. Mm. All right. Well, we got to get to our top five list. Uh, and again, we are talking about uh, the top five television shows from the 2010s. Uh, and if you missed our last two episodes, we're right in the middle of talking about the best of 2010. So we talked about the best comedy movies. We talked about the best action movies. In our next few episodes, we're going to talk about the best uh, albums as well as the best video games. Uh, but right now we are talking TV shows. E Pimp, before you jump in, A, how did you find put toge- uh, putting together this list? And B, do you have any more Kolsch facts? Ooh, well, I do have a Kolsch fact. They serve it in the, the Stang, it's called. It's that tall, skinny glass that you might associate with a Kolsch. They do it because they don't want you... The Kolsch style doesn't have a heart, a big head on it at the top because there it comes out in the in the brewing process. So they just don't want you to be sitting there really smelling it a lot. They want you to just smell it as you drink it, and they want you to drink a lot of it. So it's supposed to be kind of like a perfect amount to tr- kind of drink quickly so that they can sell you more. Interesting. Okay. 
there's a Kolsch fact, which was B. A, I thought it was, I thought it was um, not as difficult for me as our upcoming list of, of albums to kind of shake out the top five, but it was still hard. And, but I'm very happy where I landed with it, with what my final top five are. Nice. I, I realized I don't, there were, because I would cross reference my own list with like lists I'd find on the internet. And I found with this list more than any other, like I kind of just didn't see a lot of the shows that other people would have put in their top. So that's not to say that they're not great shows. I just like did not watch them. I don't know. Same with me. And you'll laugh very hard at mine because it's just, I just have shows that I personally like so much that they have to be in the top five. Totally get it. Uh, All right. Without further ado, then let's get into it. These are our top five television shows of the 2010s. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right. My number five uh, is a show that I think it lasted about, I think it lasted three seasons. And honestly, I didn't even see the third season. Uh, But I really liked the idea out of the gate. Uh, And as you know, from my top comedies, I'm a big Will Forte fan. So I had to put this on my list. It's Last Man on Earth. Mm. And what I really liked about this show is just conceptually, it was a very interesting show. And the pilot is just Will Forte uh, pretty much throughout the entire episode. And it's great. Uh, And it's funny just to see like, what do you do if you are the last person on earth? And uh, in that first season, they spend most of it just like kind of in a desert environment. And then in another season, they go to kind of the California coast. Um, And I will say like elements of the show are not perfect. Will Forte's character is actually maybe too annoying in certain parts to be like (laughs) always watchable. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I really like the show. I mean, I get why it didn't last very long because I don't think you can take that, that kind of idea that far. Uh, but for what it was, I thought it was great. That's a show I haven't seen, but I'm, I've always heard good things. Have you watched the new MacGruber series yet? No, I think it's on a streaming service I don't have. And this Peacock. Speaks to your, yeah, this speaks to your... Maybe I do have that. Maybe I have it as part of Comcast. I actually should check that. You probably do. I Most probably people do. do if you have Comcast, yeah. Crap, I could be watching that then. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't yet, but I just thought of it with Wolf 4K, of course. But Okay. Wow. Well, I already know the number one entry for my list of 2020s. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the show is worth watching. Like, you probably don't have to watch the full series. But uh, at least the first season, which is, I don't remember how many episodes, but like not a full season. It's like probably six or eight episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'll have to check it out. All right, what's your number five? My number five is on another streaming service, which is HBO Max, and it's Veep. Oh, I bet Veep would be in my top five if I had seen more of it. I love it. It's great. It gets by the end, like a lot of shows. I think it ended, the quality stayed pretty high, but I mean, most shows you could kind of tell that they, they'll find a few things that they rely on a lot, and it just becomes like they beat it to death. And for Veep, it's like weird, creative swearing. They just do like weird. They just, if you're going to make fun of somebody, you're going to call them like something you've never heard before. That's just all they do. All the characters do that to each other constantly. Nice. It's got a good cast. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always like, Julia Louis Dreyfus is really funny. She is. I'm glad yeah. for her to have like 
post Seinfeld success. Yeah, she's had a few. She's always working. I gotta say that. Oh, she's yeah. always on something. I want to catch that show too because I know that um, the actress who played my girl is in it. Yeah, she's really good. And uh, Maggie and I, when we were in Chicago, we did go to a burger place, and she was there. Whoa. Uh, yeah, it was in Lincoln Park, but I couldn't put my finger on like who it was initially. She was there with like, one kid, I think, young kid, and I remember she went down to grab something underneath the table and then like banged her head on the table coming back up. Oh and, no! But I couldn't remember. I was like, "Who is that?" Because I just like I know she was somebody, and then I think we left. It was before we left. I was like, "That's the actress who played my girl." I couldn't remember what her actual name was. I was like, it's Anna something. I was like, Anna Paquin? Chomsky. Yeah, which I still can't pronounce. But like, I had to, we Googled it when we were back in the car after we were leaving. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's her. And she's like from Chicago. So it like made sense. It actually was her. Uh, But yeah. She's really good on that show. Uh, I'll take your word for it. But yeah, I, I think that's a good pick. Plus, it's got what's his face um, from Arrested Development. Yeah, Tony Hale. Job. Yeah, Tony Hale, not Job Buster. Buster. <laughs> <laughs> the other funny story is that Maggie keeps take was taking these Arrested Development quizzes, uh, where it's like, what Arrested Development quiz are you? Like a BuzzFeed <laughs> quiz or something like that. And she kept getting Buster, even if she changed the answers, which I thought was so funny. Oh, they just think she's Buster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, all right. My number four is The Good Place. This is another one I haven't watched. It's really good. I Like, we watch this in a very, I don't know, way of that people typically watch shows now where, like, we watch the entire series over the course of, like, two or three months. Uh, so I, I have no idea like how it would be from like an episode to episode point of view. Um, but it's good. Kristen Bell is good in it. Ted Danson is great in it. Like the whole cast is really good together and it ends, it ends really well, which I wouldn't have expected this show to be able to do that. Yeah. Plus it's got a couple of left turns in there, which are kind of surprising for like network shows. Hmm. It's on my list. I'll eventually watch it. I just yeah. haven't yet. There's a, yeah, you really think it's going in one direction, especially in season one. And then it takes a pretty hard turn. And I just, I, it constantly is making fun of Jacksonville and the state of Arizona, which I appreciate both of those things being made fun of regularly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. Uh, all right. What's your number four? My number four is Netflix's Mindhunter. Ooh, I've seen a couple episodes of this. Uh, and I liked it. Yeah, it's very short, but, and honestly, much like another show I considered for this, True Detective, uh, is very polarizing from season to season. But I just think what they tried to do and how they pulled off, especially the first season, is just fantastic. So I put it up there with most seasons of a show. Yeah, yeah. one of my shows that just missed my list is actually a little bit like that, too. Weird. Okay. Okay, my number three. Three. Lucky number three. Homicide Hunter with Lieutenant Joe Kenda. So this is, if you haven't seen it, 
he is there are a lot of good true crime shows uh with just strong narrators like i think of the voice behind forensic files yeah always loved robert stack with unsolved mysteries uh lieutenant joe kenda who was a homicide detective in colorado springs has one of those types of voices if not oh. one of the best ones i've heard not just his voice his cadence uh the expressions that he uses he is great uh and the show is it is true crime it has reenactments in it um it's really good i'm gonna check that out yeah it was on investigation discovery if you have like discovery plus or something all the seasons are on there uh it's great nice i never even heard of it so i just looked it up yeah it's such a good show i actually read his book which i don't even know why i read his book but it's it's fine but yeah uh, <laughs> it's like exactly what you expect his book to be he even had his daughter write one of the chapters and his daughter is weird um <laughs> uh but uh yeah it's great like just listen to him a little bit uh he's like he has moments of being kind of unintentionally funny but he's also intentionally funny uh it's good awesome uh all right where is your number three Speaking of weird and great voices, there's actually a lot of parallels to what you were just talking about, but have you ever seen Joe Para talks with you? No. On Adult Swim? It's, uh, that's my number three. It's a great show. Um, Joe Para is a comedian from Buffalo, New York, and he has this style of, he looks like he's probably our age, but he looks like he's, he dresses himself up to look as though he's like a 70 year old man. He just kind of has that. He walks very slow. He talks very deliberately. He's just like, it's just, it, it's, it's, his character is hilarious. And this show is basically him. Like the first one is Joe Pera shows, like teaches you about rocks and he lives in the upper peninsula. So he basically just like goes out and literally like a, like a science video will show you like different <laughs> types of rock in the upper peninsula. And it's, he's got like an old man neighbor named Gene who he's always with. It's just like my, it's so great. It's such a hilarious and amazing and weird show. Wait, so he, wait, he's from Buffalo, but he lives in the upper peninsula of Michigan. His on the show. It's like a fictionalized version version of himself. Basically. I don't think I explained that correctly, but. Oh no. I like Yeah. Any show based in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, good for it. Oh yeah, it's great, and they do they do a lot of um, kind of advocacy for Michigan and like the area, and then like a lot of just Midwest stuff. A lot of great accents on the show, and his family, and um, a lot of great people. Like um, Joe Firestone plays his kind of like love interest, and she writes for the show and stuff. She's hilarious too. It's just a really good show. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. I have not heard of the show or the person. You, I think you, you, you would enjoy it. It's pretty good. I will say, like, you have given us some good ideas lately. Like, we did watch Hereditary. We watched, uh, what was the other one? Hell or High Water. I still have yeah. to watch, like, Blow the Man Down. Yeah, Blow the Man Down. I was going to ask if you watched that one. I haven't seen that one yet, but, but good picks. Thanks. Um, all right, my number two... 
is I really wasn't sure where to put this, but I, I would have felt negligent if I didn't actually put this on my list, even though it's like the most popular show of that whole era, probably is Game of Thrones. Nice. And I, I my hesitation is that the ending was like awful. But did you watch all of it? Yep. Okay. Uh, I, not from like, I was not watching it when it started. I don't think we even started watching the show until probably it, it was like five or six seasons in. Gotcha. Uh, so we, we were doing a lot of catch up, but I mean, I can't think of too many more shows where we did watch them. Like they were events, especially when it was like the final season. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like the show had that in the cultural zeitgeist too. And especially now with television, like really few shows can get to that level because there's so many options. That is true. Can't deny it. So, and, and like by and large, I think the cast was really good. Uh, it was really looked high budget for a television show. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was high budget. <laughs> but right. it, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. If it weren't for kind of like the last season sort of rushing things and then ultimately they should have just kind of rewritten the ending like but whatever the show by and large i I think was really good nice strong entry have you seen game of thrones no i've i I watched i tried to watch a couple episodes um early on i don't know if it was the first season's first couple episodes or it's just not something that it's like not my style and i just kind of never really got into it but i've heard i mean a lot of people i know like really like it so i mean like you said, it's got. There's got to be something to it, considering the amount of cultural like impact it had. I think one of the things I really like too is just the intro focusing on geography of the whole area. Like for some reason, I love that. I was like, oh, okay, that's where that is. Like I get how everything moves around in the area, which actually is what makes the last season kind of ridiculous because they they move from place to place way too fast. Mm. Uh, but I just like that a lot. And then they, they change the towns that they focus on from season to season in the intro too. Ah, I uh, see. All right. What is your number two? My number two is a show called Nathan for you. Ooh, dumb Starbucks. That's right. I do remember that episode. I think a couple others, but that's a great pick. I love Nathan for you. It's like just something about his, the stuff that they come up with. And uh, I re I've rewatched it multiple times. Cause I just, it just cracked me up. It's like unbelievable to me that he's able to maintain that level of stoicism throughout like all the ridiculous shit that they do. <laughs> he does it as well, if not better than anyone I've ever seen. Like, just yeah, like deadpan. It, it, it is like a stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. He's almost like detached completely. But then what I think, I honestly do think it's like a brilliant show because if you watch it, even though they are self-contained episodes where there's different premises and stuff, there's like things that do kind of build mm-hmm. throughout the show, like different themes that they touch on and things like that, that are very, it's very satisfying to watch that show all the way through. I think he's, he's got a few projects. He's working for HBO now. He's got a few projects that are almost ready. So I'm very excited to see what, what happens because 
anything that he he also produces and like is that big creative force behind the show called How to with John Wilson on HBO right now. That is my favorite current show. Um, it's just like a this guy John Wilson just basically obsessively documents everything in New York City, and then he'll go back later and edit the footage and like put like a theme together. It's unbelievable, and it's so anything he does, I'm usually interested in. So I'm excited to see what what comes out next. What I saw that show, I really liked too. And it, it like made me think a little bit of, and it missed my list, but I, I did enjoy what I saw of it. Like, have you ever seen Andy Daly's review? No, but that is, I feel like that's like the next show I should watch because I, of the things I've heard about it. I mean, it just seems amazing. Yeah, it's a little more ridiculous. Well, and it's also like, I mean, I think the whole thing is, is scripted. Unless mm-hmm. I'm kind of forgetting. Yeah, it's and Nathan for you isn't really, but like um But Andy Daly is brilliant. Andy Daly is brilliant. That is a fact. Uh you gotta like a comedian named Andy. That's right. All right, my number one is Bob's Burgers. Oh wow. I should have known that. I don't I mean, it's kind of funny. I really like Bob's Burgers a lot. I don't think there was any show though in the 2010s where it was like, I just have to watch it. I mean, there's plenty of Bob's burgers episodes. I haven't seen. It's been around for a while now. Um, but I, I mean, obviously I love the, a lot of the elements that came from, uh, home movies, which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Uh, Great show. The production team and H. John Benjamin has just got a classic voice. Yeah. And the cast, like the cast is is great. It has Kristen Schaal. She's really good. Uh, it's got Dan Mintz. Um, it's actually kind of funny that even though the family, the cartoon family is two men, three women, it's... <laughs> Four out of the five voices are done by men. It's like the opposite of The Simpsons. Yeah, that is kind uh, of funny. <laughs> but uh, well, the show is just like hilarious, uh, and it has so many like great asides. Uh, it also has like pretty good music, and uh, uh, I, it actually took me a second to get used to the way it's kind of animated. Uh, but no, I like it. Bob's Burgers, great show. Yep, definitely very funny. What is your number one? My number one is a show that um, it will not surprise you in any way when you hear what it is, because I've it's one of those things where I've tried to like stop doing this as much as I get older. But I'll if I get it really into something, I think it's hilarious. I'll just badger everybody I know to watch it constantly. Mm-hmm. And I probably did that to you. And I know I did it to my sister, but check it out with Steve Brule is a classic and one of anything else i mean it's just the character is so hilarious to me and even though the show is like stupid beyond belief like it's just it's just so great i could just watch it over and over again it cracks me up to this day how many seasons has it run there i believe there are five hold on let me double check because they're really short episodes so it always throws me off they're like um, of the Adult Swim, like twelve-minute episode variety. Yeah, exactly. And they were, and they come out sporadically. Oh, there's four four seasons, so there's twenty-four episodes, and then there's one kind of like special episode. Okay. 
So wait, each season is only six episodes then? Yep. Okay, that's not even that much. Yeah, it's really not like, that much, and the episodes are short. I could pretty easily binge watch that. It would take like five hours, six hours. It's, that's probably why I've done it so many times. Uh, great pick. I mean... I dressed up as him for Halloween for one year, for Christ's sake. <laughs> that's I mean, amazing. John C. Riley is a national treasure. I mean, we have done an episode that was the best John C. Riley roles. He's great. He's a yeah. fellow DePaul graduate. He's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious. He's in great movies, great shows. Part Lithuanian. That's right. Yeah. He's like, he's like our celebrity sponsor, even though he doesn't know it. Right. He'll know it at some point. Well, right. Uh, do you have any uh, honorable mentions? I do have a few. Um, Fargo, which I, much like um, Mindhunter and True Detective, is kind of polar. Like he, their seasons are so different that it's hard to even consider it as, as a series. Um, yeah, it is tr- there's like more shows like that now. Right, they're like anthology shows. Yeah, pretty much. So that's a good pick. Um, I really love Barry. I probably would put Barry on my list if they make a couple more seasons. Have you watched that? I've never seen it. I've heard really good things, though. It's great. Uh, just absolutely great. Um, really funny. And then I also like Shrink, which was on CISO. Oh, yeah. The Tim Baltz show. Yeah, with Tim Baltz. It's only one season. It's a shame that it's only one season because it was so funny. But I wasn't thinking about that show. Yeah. That's Lisa and I. That's one of the shows like Lisa and I can watch and we'll both like crack up out loud laughing. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so hilarious. Speaking of that, uh, this time with Alan Partridge, which is the one that he's made the most recently. I still got the, the. It's kind of a hard one because I mean, the f- most recent season was this. Well, I think it was late 2021, but the, it started in 2019. There's only two seasons, so it's like half and half. But yeah, it's just it. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so funny. Okay, I have to watch it then. Yeah. Uh, wait, where were you? You were watching on like BritBox or something, right? Yeah, the first season is on BritBox. Mm. And the second season, I don't even think they've made it available yet in the US. Okay. All right. I'll, uh, I was starting to look into that. I mean, I think it's probably a show I need to watch on my own. I'm not sure if Maggie would like that one. But it's, a, it's more, even more so than all of his other stuff, which I know you're familiar with. Like, it's a, there's a lot of, kind of like downtime between stuff to kind of really sit in how uncomfortable it is, <laughs> but it's great. It's unbelievable. Nice. Uh, all right. Mine are Westworld, although I've only seen the first season and I would even say I only really like the first half of the first season, but that first half was really great. Hey, it must've been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shit's Creek, Black Mirror, Killing Eve, Broadchurch, uh, which has uh, David Tennant in it. And actually, that, that's the show I was thinking of that kind of changes pretty radically from season to season, even though it does have like a lot of the same cast. Like season two, I think, kind of sucks uh, in retrospect. But season one is really good, and season three is pretty good. Uh, I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, Review, Andy Daly's show, and Fargo as well. Nice. But yeah, there were some good shows that came out, and uh, you definitely give me a few ideas to watch some more. And I definitely want to. Realizing that that check it out with Steve Rule is a, not an impossible amount of time to spend on it. I think I do want to revisit that. 
it's just it's just oh, makes me i might have to rewatch it again for like the 50 billionth time uh all right folks at home if you have television shows from the 2010s that you think we forgot about go ahead and hit us up our email address is whiskey sessions music at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet that's at whiskey sessions either way uh, we will read it on a future episode, but uh, we got to get to your tweets and emails for this episode. So without further ado, these are your emails. You sent us emails to read emails, and now we'll read them. All right, B-Pimp, what's in the old email inbox? We got a timely email from uh, a listener. It says, Dear Whiskey Sessions, we've recently closed the book on another Winter Olympics. Why don't they have an event for drinking whiskey from an ice sculpture? Maybe on top of a mountain? Sincerely, Davey, the drinking athlete. Oh, I like that idea. I will say, I don't think there's been an Olympics I've watched less of than these Winter Olympics. I watched a bunch of it. I loved it. Really? Oh, good. I mean, because I generally like the Winter Olympics. I just don't know why we just didn't watch that much of it no i feel i understand i think in general that was the the ratings were down i believe pretty significantly i wonder what it is like what like ice skating is always usually pretty popular i'm trying to think well there's there there's a lot i have a trouble with the some of the ski based stuff that especially like alpine skiing or cross country where it's a lot of just people like really digging hard to ski i'm just like Mm -hmm. That looks like it would kill my legs. Oh, it doesn't yeah. look fun. There's not enough action. And then that one long ski jump, because it's just everybody doing the same thing, even though it's insane. I'm like, I don't I, like, it's not like the one where they flip. Yeah. Or that's awesome. There's a lot of events where it's not a lot of satisfying amount of action that you want from like a there, sporting event. You also don't have a lot of like athletes competing against each other at the same time. Correct. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I agree. The long ski jump, whatever that's called, is like kind of tough to watch because it's hard to tell if anyone has a good jump or not. Like, you Correct. can tell right at the end where the line is. You're like, oh, that was good or that wasn't. But even like, it's hard to tell. Even otherwise. even then, they land so fast that you can't see where they landed. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I think the one sport in the Winter Olympics that is like super bonkers is the short track speed skating. Oh my god! They all fall a lot of the time it's like a ridiculous sport but they should keep doing it oh yeah i was amazed by the the um the snowboard half pipe because these people are usually they're usually small snowboard athletes like like short and light and they take some brutal hits and that stuff is like concrete oh yeah they'll hit the lip with like parts of their body and then just get up and like finish i'm like are you are you kidding me you should be dead. Yikes. That's insane. I didn't catch any of that this time. I saw a little bit of the long ski jumping where I was like, okay. Then like yeah. a little bit of figure skating, a little bit of one of the luges. I forget. Like I saw the one that's one person feet first. I forget what that one is called. Skeleton? Yeah, it might have been skeleton. Um, but yeah, not too much else. Somebody had a really good tweet that was like, how do you figure out if you're good at luge? I think Lisa said that while we were watching it. Yeah, which is hilarious. Like, how, what's the first time you try this? How does that go? There's a guy like the coach, <laughs> the coach from Dodgeball that's wandering around and he just has an eye for luge talent. <laughs> it's like, 
uh, I don't even know what like a practice session of that would look like. Right. Uh, all right. I got an email that says, hi, Whiskey Sessions. I was listening to an episode recently, and I know you both uh, to be homeowners. I'm a recent homeowner myself, so I wanted to run it by you uh, what I thought was a potential scam. I just received a bill in the mail asking me to pay something called a property tax. What is this? Monopoly? Can you please tell me if someone is trying to scam me? And this is uh, thanks from Severin in Covington, Kentucky. Yes, it is a scam and it is, it is monopoly. Don't pay it. Don't pay it. Nope. No. And here's the, here's the crazy thing about that scam. I don't know about you. It comes twice a year. If it was believable, like make it once a year. Yeah. I just want to know what, what countries prince all this money is going to. Yeah, exactly. California has this law that is, I guess, nice, but whenever you buy, buy a property, your property taxes are stuck at the amount you bought the property for. So if you bought a house in like the 70s or 80s, and I think the law started in the 70s, uh, let's say you bought the house for like $30,000 or something like really low. Um, you pay property taxes based on the value of that house forever as long as you have the house. Why? I, I, I don't totally... Well, I know that the way that it was... Uh, an initiative that was marketed in the 70s and the people voted yes on it in California. And the justification, I think at the time was like, don't kick grandma out of her house. So that's why. Uh, huh. uh, it does mean like, no matter what the value of our house changes, we always know what our property taxes are. They're kind of stuck how they are, which I guess that's is yeah. nice, predictability. But- but as long as the school systems are tied to property taxes, it's kind of a problem. Our schools are terrible. Well, yeah. What if the value of your house plummets and then you're stuck with like some crazy tax bill on top of the fact that you lost all the value of your house? It yeah. seems like a nightmare. That part is bad. I wonder if it changes if our house plummets. I don't think it does. Okay. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. Wow. California is like hardcore. <laughs> Yeah, and actually they added another law as part of it. I actually voted yes on this part because it seemed like a good idea. But the problem from that initial law was that elderly people were not leaving their house, especially larger houses. Even if they wanted to downsize their house, it was not an economical move for them to do it because their property taxes were so good. Yeah. So to incentivize older people downsizing, uh, now the law is instead of the property taxes applying to the house for when you bought it, it actually applies to the person. Oh, so they can now move. And I think maybe pay the same property taxes they were paying at the old house as long. I don't know. It's crazy. Wow. It feels a little bit like, uh, what is the joke? where like, this Island has a terrible rat problem. Let's release a bunch of snakes. Like, oh no, this island has a terrible snake problem. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You, you started down a path and then now you're building a lot of things to continue on that path, even though, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like you're, it's not really addressing the issue. I get what the, the from what you said, I get what the point was, what they were trying to do, but it just seems like, yeah, it doesn't I, make sense. I don't know. Uh, if people at home, if they know better than me, go ahead. Uh, again, hit us up. Our Twitter is at Whiskey Sessions. 
our email is whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. And uh, of course, we'll read your email on a future episode. But that does it for this episode. One, three, two. Be Pimp, any words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, you should go watch Dr. Steve Brule on repeat. Uh, again, we've said it once if we've said it 4,000 million times. John C. Riley is a national treasure. That's right. Uh, all right, until next time, this is Amat saying peace out. And B Pimp saying hi, Dr. Steve Brule. Bye, Dr. Steve Brule. Bye, Dr. Steve Brule.